Attention, radio listeners. Oh, Thomas, get out of town. Wow. Let me have your attention for a moment. Goodness, is that a message? Oh, mommy, please, get me out of this game. You aren't paying any attention. Interesting move here, Bill. Shays came into the basketball game. Jim Beheim has inserted Shays into the game. Big guy inside. Maybe to help eliminate that second or third shot. Well, people in Central New York claim that uh, Roosevelt Bowie... It's the best center Syracuse University has ever had. Your attention, please. This is Centers of Attention. And good morning, everybody. I feel like I just left this chair. Uh, it is Thursday, February 20th, 2020. So it is 2202020. That's the date. I mean, Whoa. it's not like it's. It's not like it's February 2nd, but February 20th is very, very close. Good morning, everybody. This is Centers of Attention. I'm Seth Everett, and uh, former SU star Danny Shays is with us as we recover from last night's uh, blowout loss to Louisville. I did the postgame show with Eric Devendorf and Roosevelt Bowie. I had double the fun, and uh, wow, that was a rough game. And was, it was, funny there, drinking, was there drinking involved? <laughs> There should have been. Yeah, there, there, there should have been. We just we took some, some phone calls and had some angry people. And uh, you know, I, I don't know what. I don't know how you're angry about this. I saw this coming a mile away. My only concern, I, I swear to you, and this is probably the third time since I took this gig that I almost put money against the orange. Um, I didn't because of nine and a half. I thought maybe they make it close. But I didn't give them a shot. There's so many options on Louisville. And I understand that they were having all kinds of trouble. And you heard Dan Schulman and Dick Vitale talking about it last night. You know, all kinds of things going on with them. That's nothing. They are a great team. They're going to be a force. I don't know if they're a national championship team. But they are number 11 in the country. And they're pretty darn good. And they kept going to options where Syracuse had none. And... I don't want to pin this on the front court. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to say we're in a, they're in a different stratosphere. Danny? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to pin it on the front court, and I think that uh, that's something we've just talked about all year. I think that, uh, you know, there's just, uh, you know, Sidibe is just overwhelmed uh, in the post, uh, you know, fouling out uh, in 11 minutes when, you know, game after game after game after game, it's like, dude, you just can't make dumb fouls. And he just makes dumb foul after dumb foul. Um, I think Coach Beheim has to start considering uh, making a change at center. Uh, you know, the, you see a lot in the NBA where you're trying to protect a guy in foul trouble. You start the backup, shorten the game, six minutes a half. Uh, you know, let that kind of early rush, you know, happen. He's not a guy involved in the offense anyway. And, uh, you know, an alt- the only alternative I can think of, the only move they could possibly make uh, is start Jesse. Uh, for like I said, that for six real? minutes for real. Shorten the game for Sadibe. Wow, you should have done. Po- we had callers suggesting that yesterday. Wow. Uh, shorten the game for Sadibe. Uh, you get him out of that initial. Actually, at the end of my career, when I was forty, I was playing on team. I said, "Look, we want you to start and be that. If you, you're going to play eight minutes the first half, start the game. Eight minutes start the second half. Our backup, you know, our starter is going to be the backup because you've got to shorten the game. He gets in foul trouble, uh, or you know, he's not ready to take that initial pounding with you know that that first rush and and um, you know, it's just you know, you know, four fouls with sixteen minutes to go, game after, and that's when the wheels fell off. It was actually a game until. 
Uh, Sadibe, you know, got his fourth foul, and then it, it was just the Alamo. I mean, just wave after wave, uh, attacking the boards, going at the rim, you know, and and uh, you know the, the game just got away. And uh, you know, it's just something where. Uh, you know, so you, you watch the deep, and I'm a big man's guy, right? No question, I'm a big man's guy. But you just watch, mm-hmm. you know, game after game, where he just doesn't have the court sense to be in the right spot to, you know, to not just bump foul, bump. You know, it's it, it's like you know, it's so exacerbating. Watch this thing, and uh, you know, like I said, game after game, where he's just you know making the, the same repetitive mistakes that uh, uh, you know that cost this team, and now uh, you know. Uh, you know, you can't play Marek Dolajai at five. He's, you know, against a big, against a real center. And they had two big physical 6'10", 250-plus guys uh, that were just like, they were just thundering to the rim. And, uh, you know, Marek just doesn't have the, you know, the, the you know, just the physical size to stop that wave. And, you know, he was taken completely out of the game because of it. And... Um, uh, you know, he you know, fouls out in, in, in 29 minutes. And, you know, when you, when you just see this, you know, game after game, it's like, look, look, there's not many moves coach can make, right? There aren't, you know, the, they have a, you know, we've talked about it repeatedly, just this, you know, the bench is so thin. You've got basically five guys, that's it, a couple of freshmen to move in. Uh, and you got Quincy as your only guy to, to you know, your only card to play. But, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, Jesse's far enough along now where you take your, uh, you, you let him develop. I mean, the, uh, I, the safest I'm five minutes I, is the I'm, first I'm five minutes. I'm surprised to hear you say it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, the safest five minutes is the first five. Uh, you know, let him start, play the game, and if he, you know, if he gets a couple of quick ones, that's when he uses fouls. You know, and then Sadibi comes in. Now he's playing a 30-minute game instead of a 40-minute game. Uh, you know, and then he got a chance of getting something out of him. But, uh, you know, this is, you know, I just haven't seen any improvement in the area of him being able to stay on the court. If anything, it almost seems to be getting worse. Um, you know, because again, continuing to make the same mistake, it's one thing if, you know, you know, he has physical limitations because again, he's, you know, 205, not 235. Um, and, you know, and mechanical in the offense, but he, but he, you know, he hustles and he does his thing, but he just for some reason has not figured out the knack of not committing three dumb fouls a game quickly. And, uh, it's just like I said, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I was, I'm lucky my TV is still standing. Let me put it to you that point. I no, I get it. I, I I understand what you're saying. I, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, you're not speaking nonsense here. I, what I'm surprised at is it seems too simplistic. That, that that's all I'm saying. I, first of all, Sadibe fouls out of the game. Uh, I believe it was a 14 point game at the at the point of where Sadibe's out of the game. Um, Maybe that it was, was a seven-point game when he went down with four. You know, I think if I remember correctly. So right, right, right. He had four. He was still in the game when it's a seven-point game, and I never saw a run in them. I when it was seven, it was seven for a good chunk of that game. I didn't think they were coming. I, I didn't think. I, I said, I said, when are they going to go on some kind of a you know fifteen-four run where they're going to be able to control the kind of the, the pace of the play and they're going to hit their shots and all this stuff? When was that happening? And it never, I, I never thought it was going to happen. And in that sense, and what I'm surprised at is, and maybe this is just something I, I, I'm surprised that you and other people, you're not the only one that has suggested these three poor souls that are on the bench, that are clearly on the bench for a reason, and no one has – Jim Beheim has never even hinted that any three of them are going to get any kind of significant time. And 
I just I just wonder how is it is it a, a microcosm of the grass is always greener. You're not wrong that Sadibe can't stay out of foul trouble. But to think that Jesse Edwards is going to take six minutes off and take the pressure off of Sidibe and he's not and, and you're not gonna be down ten the minute he steps on the floor, I, I don't know. I, I I don't I think would so have to because think, like, this is something they've had to have thought of. This 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 <sighs> scenario that you're talking about, somebody else has brought it up. That's my point. Maybe, um, you know, or maybe not. You know, it's the kind of thing where, um, and again, I'm I'm not in the locker room. I don't know what you know what the coaches' conversations are. This isn't the kind of move that coaches made historically, um, and uh, uh, you know, I can see Jesse not being ready 20 games ago, but now he's. You know, farther into his career, and again, this the look. If if Sidibe was was giving you you know something, well, first of all, it's not like he's giving you a lot of production outside of being a placeholder, right? He's the guy in the center of the zone. Uh, he's giving you just you know kind of opportunity offense, a couple of putbacks, a transition, two, four, six points. If he has an eight point game, it's you know you know we're thrilled that he gave us something. Uh, on the uh, you know he'll 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 rebound. He's not really a shot blocker per se. Um, and he just physically gets overwhelmed. Jesse gets physically overwhelmed. I mean, he's not like he's a, you know, some raw, big, physical football level guy who throws bodies around and and takes up space. I mean, he's also very slight and and sometimes having a uh, uh, you know tough time corralling a rebound. So I'm not you know in any way saying that there's you know it's different. What I'm saying is that you know I mean how many we we we've lost close games at the end because the guys we want on the floor are on the bench with five fouls. And it's either one of them or two of them or three of them. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we, you know, look, we're not a top 10 team, just, you know, physically. We're, you know, we're just too thin in too many areas and too limited in too many areas. But this team is, you know, busting their ass. They're working hard. We've, um, you know, the, the freshman guard or, you know, the two guards, you know, you're talking about the guys coming off, Bryson and Howard Washington. Uh, neither of those guys are going to come in and, uh, you know, contribute something that they're not getting from the from one and two. If they're if one and two are playing forty minutes, they can. They're playing forty minutes. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's nothing in the tank better than you know on the bench better than them or uh, going to contribute. You know, Bryson's still raw. You know, Howard is. You know, I like him as a player, and he comes in and plays a stretch to you know to you know, to to not screw it up. Uh, and that's you know that's kind of their roles at that spot. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, but Barama is just you know giving them such a limited. Uh, you know, set of performances and, you know, being in foul trouble game after game after game after game. I mean, it, it's not like it happens one in three. It's not like it happens, you know, one in four. I mean, we're talking eight out of 10 um, that he just can't be on the floor in the second half. I mean, physically because of foul trouble. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know how, the, you know, you can live with, uh, uh, you know, thinking Marek's going to come in and be the miracle guy at five. I mean, he just got steamrolled. Yeah. Which yeah. you know he's one eighty five. He's a, I love Marek as a player, but that's just not his position. You might as well put Buddy Beheim at five. Uh, frankly, the way that uh, you, know, you know that if you're going to use that kind of argument, so uh, so that would that, that's the only thing that you know the only move that coach can make to do that. And and at this point of the year, uh, I don't really see that uh, uh, you know that it's, that it can't pay a dividend. It's an interesting proposition. I just like I said, it, the, 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 I, I I don't know. 
uh, is it grasping at straws? And and that and that's you know part of the question mark uh, surrounding the whole thing. And ultimately, this team is not going to the NCAA tournament. Let's just say that you know. And and I know I'm speaking ill and and saying no. it in a in a market. I think that it, I think that's safe happening. at this point. It's uh, uh, you know, the hell Maryest of hell Marys to think that there's. Uh, there's still a official chance, but not a realistic chance, and not a guarantee. I, you know, I was doing some research this morning. It's not a guarantee that you're in the NIT. It's not just because you're Syracuse doesn't mean you're automatically in. Now, you have to win a couple of these games, and you can't embarrass yourself down in uh, what is it, Charlotte? Is that where the ACC Greensboro. tournament is? Greensboro. Greensboro, I think. Yeah. Ah, potato, potato. Um, just, <laughs> just joking. The uh, the argument, at least uh, from my perspective, is. Uh, you want the NIT? I, I I think we can embrace it. It's not a. This is not misery. You know, it's not it's not torture. Would you rather that, or you would you rather the season just be over? I mean, I mean, what, what's what's the alternative? Um, I do think that this team. There, there's a lot there. You know, we talked about uh, yesterday. I was thinking a lot about our conversation regarding Mike Hopkins. Um, you know, I want to see new players. I want to see new stuff. I want to get excited about this because there's no secret what Syracuse basketball is. Um, but it's not happening this year, and the NCAA tournament is going to come and go, and we're not going to see it. And I will say, <laughs> I may, you know, I say this since the minute I graduated from Syracuse University. If the oranges aren't in it, I don't watch it. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. Well, you know, it's, and it doesn't look, do anything we're, for me. We're all down because the you know the team had a rough night last night, right? Uh, really but not. I'm not. I'm not changing a thing. Of, you know what I love about this team. I, even last yeah, yeah. night, they were fighting until the end. They were pressing. They were working at it. And again, they were just overwhelmed. And sometimes the game gets away from you, right? And then at that point, um, you know, it's just a game. So uh, you know, Louisville was a great team, and they played great, and they made shots, and. Uh, you know they they were big and physical, and they did all you know they they they, they all everything clicked for them. It all came together. Uh, I love the way this team fights and hustles, and I love watching all the things we talked about. I love watching Joe Girard's development. Buddy came you know yep. came alive a little bit last night. Elijah showed toughness playing hurt. Uh, I, again, they're, they're, and, and, and you know I love Quincy in the game with his energy and his athleticism and all the things he brings. Uh, you know, fourteen and twelve last night. You know, really busting it, uh, being being disciplined. You know, not looking at the three, going to the rim, drawing fouls you know i mean there's there's a lot of good parts here uh it's not you know it's not ready for broadway yet uh but there's a lot of good parts here and i like i said i love watching him play i love howard washington spunk when he comes out you know so there's not a thing in there i'm saying i don't love there you know the hole in the middle is just unfillable uh you know against a good team and so it's been their achilles heel all year uh it's going to continue to be and like i said i think there's a move to make whether it's going to be effective or not, um, uh, but the way you know the way it's going with, uh, like I said, uh, Sadibe is you know the way he just you know seems incapable of staying out of foul trouble. I think you have to consider, like I said, just you're shortening the game for him and, and you know seeing if you no, can get you know get him to be more effective. What um, Jim asked a good question. He says, uh, "What made anyone believe Marek or especially Sadibe were going to be better defenders this season? Was it an oversight over the summer? Was there was there a miscalculation by the coaching staff?" I don't think so. I think that they are what they are. I mean, it's not like there's an alternative. Um, you know, early in the year we saw Jesse come in. He's you know he I, I think he's got real polish around the, on the offensive end. 
um, you know, needs to physically develop. I mean, as a big guy, you know, he's going to be years developing. I came out of high school at 215, uh, you know, finished college at 240. So it wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't that much different for me back in the day. So, um, you know, he's just a guy who's just going to take time to develop as bigs do, but he's got a great feel for the game. I think he has good basketball IQ. Uh, and just not physically ready. So, and Sadibe's your guy. Uh, you know, luckily, uh, he got over his knee problems. Uh, you know, he's you know been running the floor, but it's you know two oh five, two ten uh, in the middle. Um, you know, like I said, there's there's only so much you can do. Uh, he you know he's a he's a mechanical player. He doesn't have a great basketball IQ from the sense of having uh, you know a natural feel for the game. And uh, so I don't know that they're, you know, came in with expectations that he was going to be a young Roosevelt Bowie. Uh, I think that he is the guy and that's the only guy they got. So there you go. Just it's just what what it is. All right. Uh, We will open up the phone lines as we do, uh, as we continue. Um, We'll also uh, continue to lament uh, what else is going on in the world of Syracuse sports and Syracuse basketball. Uh, We will continue to read your tweets as well and also on the Twitch message board as uh, we are known to do, especially after games. You know that emoji, the the shrugging of the shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Duke threw a clunker last night, got waxed. Uh, you know the worst loss in in the Shashevsky era. So, look, it's, I'm, I don't get all worked up over a game. I think that you know, again, it's a game, uh, but it you know it's it's it just expose it continues to expose uh, you know a critical issue that is not getting better. No, it is not. We'll continue here with more. Danny Shea, Seth Everett, right here on Centers of Attention. This is ESPN Syracuse and Q Sports Talk on Twitch. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk. And on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. All right, just like that, 22 past 10 o'clock here in central New York. A good rant goes a long way, Seth. Yeah, there's all kinds of reaction coming in. Hey, listen, what are we? What are we gonna? What can I tell you? What are you gonna do? Hey, listen. Um, you know, there's 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 talk. I think the the question that was asked though towards the end is a is a good one, and that is, did anybody overestimate this team, or did you know going in that this was going to be these guys were very limited? How much did O'Shea Brissett leaving throw them? Because only in the sense that you kind of knew battle was. All right. right. Battle battle almost was the year before. But O'Shea Brissett, I, I still say I was thrown. I didn't think he was ready. When when it happened, I said to I said to, to Polly or whomever, I just said, Boy, he needs another year. Like another year and his his stock rises and he does have an NBA career ahead of him. And look, he's very happy. Remember, Donna Detota went up and spoke sure. to him and all that sure. stuff. And it's it's not a bias towards him. I'm not. It's just I don't think he was there developmentally. And now I just think you put O'Shea Brissett with this group, and it's a totally different. They're an NCAA team. They're not well, a not great NCAA team. They're an yeah. NCAA team. 
Well, but it fills the number one is it starts to fill the biggest hole, which is up front. Uh, yep. You have another active physical guy who can score, who can score on his own. Right. Uh, Takes so much of the pressure the, off Dolajai. Yeah. Dolajai. And, uh, and now when you have Quincy coming in as, you know, as like the bookends, you know, those two guys on the yep. wings, uh, you know, now you got both sides covered. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, you, you play Elijah at the, you know, frankly, you play Elijah at the two some. Uh, and go big. I mean, there's just so many different things you can do when you got that extra guy. And uh, now you're not as foul trouble dependent, blah, blah. I mean, the whole cha- that whole dynamic shifts in so many ways, uh, you know, when you, when you have that extra guy, especially at that big position. Yeah, there's no, no question uh, about it. And, uh, you know, the one other aspect of it from, you know, kind of the state of the program, you know, kind of thing is it, it, it gets into this position where, Everything's kind of just treading water. Um, for years, you thought you knew the future. And you said, okay, Coach Beheim's going to do this, 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 and this. They've named the court after him. You can't give him enough honors. I, I'm not pushing him out the door. I'm not saying this, but I, I think fans want a plan. They want to know. You know how everybody says, are you the kind of person that has to have a five-year plan? Mm-hmm. I think even if you don't live like that, you have a five-year plan. I think that if I was to poll anybody in our listening audience, where do you want to be in five years? I don't think anybody's going to say doing exactly the same thing. Right? I, I just That's just, just a hunch. And I think fans want a plan. They want to just know something's coming, and they want new faces, new blood, new something, and they want it. And I don't know. Dick Vitale, is, he's, he's a funny guy. I don't have a massive issue with him. You know, to me, he's a lot of shtick. But yeah, he talks a lot but doesn't say much. Right. It, it, yeah, that's, that's very eloquently put. Yeah. Right, he's, he's shtick. He's, he's fine. It, it doesn't, yeah. I, I'm not enough of a college basketball fan to notice him too often. You know right. what I mean? Like, he doesn't draw me to a game. And I don't think there are a lot of announcers that in this day and age that – draw you to a broadcast, especially right. if it's two teams that you're not interested in. If I have a horse in the race or I had money on the game, which, again, if you're just joining us, I am a wimp of a gambler. But, <laughs> but The figure but, of money in the game. But, right, but, it, but, but it, if I had skin in the game, I, I'd be interested, right? Right. Uh, Romo, Tony Romo is one guy. If you know Tony Romo's calling a game, maybe I would tune into that. I, I I would I would probably check out that uh, Doc Emmerich in hockey. I would I would find if if I find out that Doc Emmerich's doing a game on NBC and it's the Penguins and the Red Wings, I'll tune it in for twenty minutes and I'll just say, ah, I love hearing him call a game. Um, Vital's not that guy. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know that I've ever watched a game to see who the announcer. Like, if, oh, this guy's doing a game. I'll watch it. I'm watching the game, and if it's, it's some schmo, I listen. If it's somebody good, oh. I get excited. Yeah. But no, I would never. Baseball. Never whenever, whenever it was Costas, I would watch. Ah. If it's baseball and Costas, now Costas doing something else, I don't need to see. But Costas doing baseball, I'm in. I like um, the Olympics when he had that year. He yep. had pink eye and couldn't do the uh, the the late night shows. I stopped watching them. Uh, I don't know if you remember what, what year was that. It was like three Olympics ago. Do you know what I'm talking about? He ended yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I, I know when exactly. When he had the pink eye, um, and uh, so yeah, that was a case where, uh, where I, I did like Bob doing the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, no, and he's great, and he's he's a he's a cute guy, and and and. Do you ever watch the show Brockmire? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. 
Brockmire is a show. It's a comedy, and it it involves a guy um, who is a, a MLB announcer. He's the play-by-play announcer of the Kansas City Royals. Okay. And Hank Azaria plays him. Oh, okay. And and he and he finds out before a game that his wife is having an affair. I'll just put it mildly. It's okay. it's not that. It's it's much <laughs> deeper than that. And he goes on a bender and starts drinking and on the air tells the story of his wife on the air and gets obviously fired as an announcer. And right. the sitcom is he has to resurrect his career. So he goes to a minor league city, like an independent league minor town, and it's owned by Amanda Peet, and wow. he is trying to make his comeback, right? That's that's the plot of Brockmire. And it's so funny because it's so inside. Like, it's very inside baseball. If you have any connection to baseball, the references, he plays it like he's a... He's like a Dick Enberg, Vin Scully type. Uh, you doing? You know, like like the way he talks. And Hank Azaria is very funny. Anyway, right. that's a long description to get to one line. In one scene, he's having lunch with Bob Costas, ah. and Brock Meyer goes, "I'm glad I gave you pink eye." <laughs> <laughs> and it was so off base, and you're just like, "What?" And Costas gets so mad. <laughs> so funny uh jim brockmeyer that's his that's his character and it's 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 four seasons you can find it i'm however you find stuff these days but it's it's really funny and uh hank azaria plays this baseball announcer that just can't get off the bottle and uh eventually in the second season he goes up to triple a for the new orleans crawdaddies and then he has a shot to go he has a shot to go i think to the oakland a's and uh, that's his big thing, and he wants a chance, and he's auditioning for it, and no one believes that he's got a shot to stay sober. And oh, it's it's crazy, it's it's absolutely wild. Anyway, uh, we'll take a quick time out as we uh, continue here, uh, lamenting the Syracuse loss to Louisville on a uh, Thursday morning, right here on Centers of Attention here on ESPN Syracuse and Q Sports Talk on Twitch. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. All right. Again, we're back here on Centers of Attention. NC State crushed Duke yesterday. We talked. To, we touched on that in the open. That was pretty wild. Um, but... It's so funny because you set your preferences for ESPN.com. Right, you right. Go to, and it, it just shows your teams first. Yeah. And all, I, so I go because I wanted to, to talk about a different story. And I went to ESPN.com to get the story. And it's Syracuse loses to Louisville. I'm like, enough. I know. Sorry. Well, I had to turn all my preferences off, frankly, because I rarely watch games live. Just for no, the I timing know. thing. Yeah. You know, my son's in high school, so a lot of times right. they're like during his game, so I got to tape them. And I'm like, or tape them. I got to record them digitally and right. time shift them for later. That's the term now. You got to time shift them. You don't tape them, record them anymore. So I got to time shift my game for later. And it was so hard getting home without seeing a thing on my phone. You know, I'm getting a bleep yeah, here. Hard. I'm getting a burp there. I'm, I'm getting a text. And you're not and active like, on Twitter. It's, 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 oh, it's even worse. I can't right. be. Uh, for that, and I got right. I started turning all that nonsense off because I couldn't get home without knowing the score. And, I clicked uh, on Brent Axe's account at one point because he had written yeah. something interesting, and it, it when you click on it, it shows you how many tweets they had that hour. 
Okay. And at one point, it was 23 tweets in the hour, and it was 41 past the hour. <laughs> he had 19 minutes to go. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was pretty wild. Seton Hall won a thriller over uh, Butler. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, saw again, that. it's a big night. Seton Hall's pretty good. Seton Hall's no pretty kidding. good. Yeah. Well, here's the other weird part about this, right? When the Big East came back as the new Big East, right? Right. It seems like it was like a a silly little conference. Now you know it was like well, it was the original Catholic school teams without the football play, you know, without the football programs, and like back to the, and it was going to be like a. You know, like a, a Mac or a, you know, like one of those mid-level conferences, and now they've sure. got, you know, they're saying, oh, there's going to be six six Big East teams in the in the NCAA tournament. There's going to be, you know, and they're all you know, they go through the rankings, and there's loaded with Big East teams, and you're like, holy cow! I mean, the Big East is the you know the new new and improved Big East is uh, uh, putting on quite the show. You know, they obviously they don't have the level of revenue without the football, uh, you know, as being a big part of it and all that. But uh, but good for them. I mean, they've uh, they've really resurrected themselves into something. You notice I went to the Catholic school with the resurrection thing. You like that? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they've really, uh, you know, i got to give them really, uh, you know, uh, pats on the back, kudos, whatever is the right term now for when you're under 50, um, for, uh, you know, for really bringing that conference back. Um. Later on in the show, I want to talk about it for a second. There's a new CBA uh, proposal, and it looks like the NFL is going to get an extra playoff team in in each conference and play an extra regular season game. See, and... I told you, te- leagues want more teams in the playoffs. Nah, but, but baseball's the only league that doesn't this get this union. I uh, I just I want to know, and I, what I want to do when this gets ratified, I want to know from the union what did you do to protect your players. Right. That's all I'm at. It just looks like the Big bullies are just making these players do whatever they're doing. Meanwhile, that's not what I wanted to talk about this segment. Well, quick side, but a quick side note before you do. In my era, when they were talking about the CBA, uh, you know, this is early. This is the '80s, right? I mean, this is when the union was was just developing, uh, you know, enough oomph to, you know, to really combat, you know, the David Stern, uh, you know, juggernaut early in the '80s. And uh, you know, our comments were like, you know, if you're not careful, you'll be like the Globetrotters. Uh, you know, now when we talk about extending the season and load management, I mean, in our era, it was three nights in a row. Uh, it was, you know, six games and eight nights. It was, you know, you play 30 back to backs in a season, not, you know, now it's like 11 and they're complaining. Uh, so no, I mean, it's a, it's a very big deal for the union to be involved in these things. And they're, they're not inconsequential things. I mean, these are major player issues, especially over time. No, but the football union, the, even the hockey union is better than the football union. They're, they're, they're just the NFL players. They just get they get bamboozled. Uh, anyway, so uh, we've talked about our 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 dual uh, adoration for LeBron James. Yes. And yesterday, before the Louisville game, I I would say I was finishing a podcast, so I was editing audio, and it was not the it was just more like the heads and tail kind of thing. It wasn't the the intricate editing. So I usually have something on TV while I'm editing it. And I was watching The Shop. The Shop right. is the HBO show that LeBron James and his business partner Maverick Carter had, and they had the governor of California and this was this was an episode from three months ago. I'm I'm two back, so I was catching up. And they had the governor of California signing the bill into law uh, to make college athletes get paid. Right on the show, he signed it on their show. On the show, yeah. I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> That's big time, right there. No, he's been that such was... a proponent of that. 
LeBron has been such a proponent such of that. Such a proponent and, of that, uh, yeah. So, you know, and he even talked about how, you know, in a lot of his, uh, you know, ideas, he would have loved to have gone to play at Ohio State for a year uh, yep. or two, whatever it was. And, you know, obviously it just didn't make sense with the risk. And, you know, he's LeBron, right? He was, you know, sure. surefire number one, all the stuff going on. But he said, look, if there is a way I could have made something, you know, uh, and had that dream of playing at Ohio State, which he had growing up, um, you know, who knows? And, you know, he doesn't want other players to be in that position and, and uh, you know, and, and just have no rights to their own stuff. And that's, uh, you know, in perpetuity. You know, you talk about, I'm talking to, you know, you know some guys are like, yeah, I, you know, I made a game-winning shot 37 years ago. I still can't. I see it all the time on, you know, every time the NCAA YouTube, comes up, the tournament yeah. comes up, you know, it's, it's in one of those preview montages, you know, and that's uh, nothing. You know, it's, it's incredible. No, you're you're right, and and I do understand that part of it. What I don't like is it just seems to be an ignorance of the tuition that these athletes do not pay. And I always think anybody who is a proponent, and LeBron James is not the example, so let's not put him in this in this bucket. Right. But anybody who is pro athletes getting licensing money. Because that's what it is. It's licensing money. Anybody who's pro athletes getting licensing money, I ask a personal question of you. Do you pay student loans? Because if you pay student loans, I, I've never heard a person, not a demographic, like a person. I've never heard a person say, I don't have, I have student loans and yet I want athletes to make money. Because when you have student loans and you work your tail off and 75% of your paycheck goes to paying off a student loan to get you that job, you do not feel any sympathy for athletes that are seeing their faces on video games. Well, and I get that, but that's irrelevant. Uh, look, here's it's the reality. Not, it's, when, it's not when we're it's talking part of about it. this. The scholarship is the payment. It is. There, look, there's a value there. But here, here's, here, here's how this thing needs to be looked at. Okay, because look, you're opening up a huge can of worms by doing this, uh, because you are, you know, the crooks are usually ahead of the, you know, the the good guys, and so they're always finding a way to bend the rules and sneak in and take a little bit here. Uh, but we, you have to look at this in categories. As far as yeah, there is a LeBron James category, right? There's a Zion Williamson. There's a you know whoever the guys are today, you know that you're going to put in that category. The top the exceptions, picks. right? The exceptions, and there's you know in football there's. 50 maybe nationwide maybe not even that many basketball there's 10 um, you know in those guys the scholarship has no value because there is no scenario where they're going to college to go to college and get a degree and like that's their career path they're going to college to build uh, a career path to professional sports and so in that sense in, in the real sense the scholarship is not the value uh, if you're talking about a Joe Girard who's going to be in school for four years and, you know, maybe one of those Jerry McNamara great college players, but not quite an NBA level or pro player or, you know, a Europe guy for a few years to get it out of the system. And, you know, th then this, the, the value of the scholarship is, is very, very large. You know, you're talking about what's Q, 75K a year now with all the trimmings. And you know, that's a big, that's a big nut. And so, yeah, that does have value. But, and when you look at these kind of, 
uh, you know, these likenesses. And again, we're not talking about licensing from the NCAA. We're not talking about getting stuff from Orange. We're talking about a guy with his own likeness as, you know, if I'm selling Joe Girard shirts, uh, making, making all kinds of money, Joe, you know, gets some, you know, internet sensation guy and, you know, gets super hot and they're selling hundreds of them, thousands of them, millions of them nationwide. Yeah, I mean, he should participate in that. I mean, I think that's not an unfair thing to do. And how is it going to, how's the mechanics? Is it in a trust for after he's out of college? Is it, you know, those mechanics need to be all worked out. But I think from a fairness standpoint, he should own the rights to his own name and likeness. Can he, you know, why can't a guy go sign autographs for five grand? Okay, got it. There's abuse. There's this. All that's got to be worked out. But I think in the fairness of him owning the rights to his own image. I don't trust any of the people working it out. That's the, I mean, that's the big, that's the big issue in this. So we got theory and we have practice. And uh, and so the question is, can you get from theory to practice in such a way that actually works? Part two, now they're talking about changing the transfer rules where, where players get right. one That's free transfer. Yeah. That's today's news. And uh, again, from a fairness issue, look, you're in a program, it's not working out. You're, you know, you, you or some right. guy comes in but the year behind you who's better and now you're never going to play again. You know, we should you be should able, be to, able get to go out and, somewhere and you else. don't have to wait a year. Right. Uh, wait a year. There's a fairness there. But part two is the crooks are going to say, great. Well, now uh, every college, every small college is now the farms team for Alabama and Auburn because right, cause whatever if they guy have an develops, injury, if they have an injury, they're going to call this guy up. Yep. They're going to go. So, you know, there's everything you do, there's a plus and a minus. The question is, you know, where, you know, where's the inherent fairness? And then again, the, as we have the devils in the details, right? How do you create a mechanics that actually works in such a way that, you know, doesn't turn into you know, full-fledged abuse? Yeah, it's interesting. And All I right, totally we'll see it. I totally see how easy it is to abuse. Of course. And, and, and that's the issue. You, you, there's nobody to trust. So who do you, who 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 can you trust? That's like a you know, Jack Nicholson. Hey, can I go to Kentucky and get five hundred grand a year to do a car commercial? Uh, you know, maybe, but maybe. you know, where's the fairness in that, right? So speaking, again, speaking of commercials, this uh, this portion of the show is brought to you by Joe Bowers Farmers Insurance in North Syracuse. A quick timeout. This is Centers of Attention right here on ESPN Syracuse and Q Sports Talk on Twitch. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk, and on the radio, ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. This is Centers of Attention. And this portion of the show is brought to you by Bill Rapp Superstore's Rapid Purchase. Enjoy the entire car buying process from your laptop, tablet, or mobile device at BillRapp.com. You know, we had said at the uh, beginning of the season, or beginning of this stretch, that... We would know the fate of the Orange by the time Syracuse played Georgia's, Georgia Tech on Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And we know, like, everything played out to script. And uh, no major surprises. Great effort against Florida State. Um, just not a complete package. And that's that's where, where it is. Um, one other note, uh, I know Danny. Dan, uh, Danny's a big fan. Roger Federer out of the French Open. He's having knee surgery, mm-hmm. and he chose. He was playing with the pain. Just this is the interesting part. He was playing right. with the pain, and he chose the tournament he has the least success in. And, <laughs> and he said, "That's when Smart. I'll have the knee surgery." And exactly. so he had the knee surgery, and he's going to sit out the French, and he'll be fine for Wimbledon. And that was funny. And I said, you know what? I that totally makes sense. If you can stand the pain, then good job. You know, uh, 
Anyway, the, well, you know, uh, it's a, an incredible time in tennis, not to get off track too much, but you, when you had Navratilova and Chris Everett going at each other, right? Two winningest players in history. Now you've Another got... 80s reference. Yep. On the, like, well, I was making the, the point that they, they spurred each other to be better. Right. If there was only one of them, they they both have said in interviews that they wouldn't be as, wouldn't have been nearly as dominant without the other. So they needed each other to turn into basically the two of the winningest players ever. Uh, but now they you're in an age where you have the three winningest men ever, <laughs> all at the same time, all you know pl- with long careers, all you know just still fighting it out into the 30s. And uh, you know it just what an incredible time to you know go through that era. Now you know the flip side it is hard for anyone else to get a sniff. Because you know they're, they're each playing each other in all the major finals you know, year after year after year, but uh, you know, but what it was like when the Lakers and the Celtics were playing every year. See another eighties reference. Yeah, uh, we're playing Bulls, in the finals yeah. every year. Yeah. Nobody, nobody could get in. But uh, but what an incredible time in tennis. Okay, there you go. There's my. By the way, the uh, the changes to the NFL's playoff format that we were touching on earlier would take effect for this coming season, right, assuming the new weird. CBA is ratified beforehand. Had the proposed format been in place, the Los Angeles Rams and the Pittsburgh. Steelers would have made the playoffs. Just so so we know it's it's practical application. It's coming and the regular season would be increased to 17 games per team and the preseason only shortened to 3 games. Remember the union wanted 2. Right. I, I'm just saying what has the union asked for that they're getting? Nothing. I mean, they ought to play flag no. football for the preseason games, right? To just give these guys a break from getting beat up so much. But uh, it's it, it's just it is it's so weird when they just keep adding games to the regular season, you know, making it longer and longer and longer. I mean, it's uh, uh, you know, it's just uh, I don't know, it's, it's just an odd thing. Here's here's the way it, it should look. As part of the deal now on the table, listen, just listen to this. Uh, players would go from a 47% revenue share under the current deal to a 48% share if they stay at 16 games. It goes to 48.5 if they go to 17 games. And you say, wait, 0.5. That is $5 billion of revenue to the players. If they go from 47 to 48.5, that is $5 billion. Rock on, rock on. That's crazy. I, um, I gotta see the. I gotta see the math on that one. But okay, just wild, <laughs> just crazy, just crazy stuff. All right, uh, more Syracuse uh, Louisville post game as we continue. We'll bring in Etan and Roosevelt Bowie, and uh, somebody's filling in for for Polly there. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. We'll have that coming up. Danny and I'll be back tomorrow at ten. This is ESPN Syracuse and Q Sports Talk on Twitch.